Yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Questions to ask myself. What's up, table family? Yes, fall is here. Cuffing season. Let me stop. Well, wait, we're wrong, wrong audience. Oh, wait. If we have not met, my name is Joshua. Um, and I give leadership here to the video team at First Orlando. Um, if it's your first time here, I just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you are here today. Now, if you have not noticed, I am black. That means absolutely nothing, but I just wanted to say that just in case you missed the memo. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up the First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Because that's where we're going to be. And as you're turning there, I'm going to make a few remarks. Now, the last time I was here, um, I had just gotten engaged. Right? And now, I'm married. Look at her. That's me. That's me. Okay, you can take it out. <laughs> Secondly, I just want to say, um, I want to take a second to honor table leadership, honor Isaac and Dana and all the volunteers here. Can we just give it up for them for the experience that they create for us? I think it's a beautiful thing. Now, um, I would love to sit here and try to build some rapport with you guys and for the you guys that don't know me and kind of share a little bit more, but I don't have too much time. So I figure I'd just give you a few quick facts. Okay, my parents are Haitian. Okay, so what that means is that I grew up in a strict upbringing. Okay. Um, I'm from Connecticut originally, so I moved down here about three years ago. Oh, Connecticut! <laughs> Look at that, I got two people in here supporting strong. Um, so yeah, so from Connecticut originally. Um, I graduated high school, um, didn't go to college, so I graduated high school top 5% of my class. Go ahead and give it up for me, make some noise for me. That's right. Now, what I actually meant was I graduated high school top 5% from the bottom of my class. Um, here is the report card to kind of prove that, just so you know. Um, I was 598 out of 621, but I'm proud of that. Take it down now, please. Okay? So after high school, um, went into the workforce. I did Christian hip-hop for about uh, 10 years. Um, I was in the automotive industry for about five years. Um, and then uh, I wound it up, it, my path brought me to video, so I wound up doing video for the next few years. Now, um, when I was in high school also, a friend of mine and I, I'm not proud of this, we stole some bikes from these two younger kids. And I am an ex-lover of money. I would do whatever I had to do to get to the bag. Now, is there anything else you'd like to know about me? Or can I get started? So you're not getting the social. So I say all of this for this reason. I am not perfect. So I do not want you to sit here and look at me like I have it all figured out. And I think the good news is, is if God can use a joker like me, he can use you too. 
So, in 2017, I started my freelance company um, doing video after I left the automotive industry. Started my freelance company doing video. And um, essentially, <laughs> uh, I had clients, and what we did was we basically shot recap videos. So what a recap video basically is, this is like a highlight video. We go to your event, make a highlight of the event, and then we post it to social. So I had a client, was doing a lot of that. Um, I had this one client, uh, she used to call me T'Challa. Y'all know where that's from? <laughs> like, wild disrespectful. This is like borderline, like, eh, are you my friend or are you my, uh. So she used to call me T'Challa, and like, kid you not, when they used to see me, they used to be like this. <laughs> I was like, all right, now y'all, y'all are rude, y'all are rude. If y'all don't know, that's a Black Panther Wakanda reference there. But she used to call me T'Challa, so she texted me, she said, hey, Prince, that's what she could call me, Prince. She's like, hey, Prince, um, I, have a, I have a client, I have a friend, and she's looking for a videographer. She is a uh, corporate speaker, and um, I want to connect you with her. I was like, okay, cool, great, you can do that. So she connects me with her. Um, we proceed to have a telephone conversation, We're talking about everything. She's like, she likes my work, and she's just like, okay, so yeah, what about pricing? Now, let me tell you a little bit about my pricing. So at this point, I was charging about 100 bucks to maybe $250 um, per video that I was doing, but I was... It, I was underselling my value, and I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of underselling my value. Like, if I could just get, like, $500 for a video, if I could just get $500, then I'd be set. Like, I'd be all right. So she asked me about pricing. So I'm sitting there on the phone. She's just like, okay, so what are your prices? I'm just like, I'm breathing. I hear her breathing. I'm breathing a little bit more. I was like, all right, Josh, let's go for it. Say, so what are your prices? I said, no joke, I, I, I said, $1,000. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. And she's like, okay, $1,000, like, but what about like flight and like, what about like, because um, we would have to fly out and this and that. And I was just like, well, let's go for it. $1,000 plus you play for flight and you, play, you pay for airfare. And then she's just like, okay. And I was just like, let's go! <laughs> I was so hyped. Wanted to fly me out to San Antonio. Stayed up at the Marriott. I was out by the Riverwalk. Anybody from Texas? <laughs> out by the Riverwalk. And I enjoyed my night. Did the shoot. It was an amazing thing. And then um, got back home. Uh, it was about a three-day trip. Got back home. Uh, my, my client that referred her texted me. She said, hey, Prince, how did everything go? And I'm just like... It went well, like, she's really cool, this is amazing. You have any other friends like her? Like, this is like, this is great. She's like, yeah, no, she's an amazing person. And she kind of dropped this, she, she didn't mean to say this, she just kind of said it in passing. She's like, yeah, but she, she yeah, she's, she's really good at what she does. Like, she makes anywhere from like thirty dollars to $35,000 a speech. I said, for 30 minutes? I said, and I charged only $1,000? I was mad. I was upset. I was telling a buddy of mine this story, and he said, Josh, you are so discontent. And what I didn't have the words to say or what I would have said is, how am I supposed to be content with what I have when what I have doesn't feel like enough? So that is the vice that we're going to talk about today discontentment. We are in the final week of a series that we are calling Vices. Say it with me, Vices. Vices. Right? And today, 
Um, Vices is a series where essentially we're talking about the addictions and the habits that kind of grip our lives. And today, I would like to talk about how discontentment has a grip on our lives and what we can start to do to move away from that. So I want to answer three questions today. What is discontentment? Um, how do we fight discontentment? And how do we start moving towards contentment? So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to give some application. I'm going to try not to stay up here all night. I'm glad that you guys are here for three hours tonight, and this is going to be an amazing time. So let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for so much for what you've done, God. I pray that you just, um, I pray that you just open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts to what it is that we're about to receive, Lord. And I pray that you might just start to change the minds, change the hearts um, of each and every one of us, Lord. Whether it's our first time here, second time here, our hundredth time here, Lord, I pray that you bring a word specifically for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Cool. So what is discontentment? Now, discontentment is the condition of being dissatisfied with one's life or situation, right? Now, discontentment could be used for good. It could be used for bad, right? Um, give you an example. Discontentment for good. Steve Jobs, one can make the argument that he was discontent. Went from the iMac to the iPod Touch and to the iPad and to the such. Like, he always wanted to get to the next things. He was never content with what it is that they just created. Discontentment, that was discontentment for good. Now, discontentment for bad, the rest of us, <laughs> right? I feel like discontentment for good is always found in, like, the, 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 the leaders of a spe- the Thomas Edisons and the such and such. But I think a lot of us, I think we can get there, but I think a lot of us tend to deal with this discontentment um, from a negative standpoint. And, and let, me, let me try to break this down for you. So have you ever used a phrase similar to something like this? If I can just blank, then I'll be happy. If I can just blank, then I'll be happy. If I can just get to college, then I'll have the freedom that I always wanted. If I could just make a little bit more money, then I'll start having the time to go to church. Does that sound familiar to any of us? How about this? If I could just get married, then I'll be complete. All right? Or this is one I wrestled with. If I can just get them to recognize me, then I'll get the opportunities that I want. My suspicion is that we've all dealt with some type or form of discontentment in our lives. So now that we understand what discontentment is, discontentment being the condition, um, is the condition of being dissatisfied with one's life or situation, how do we battle discontentment? And I think this passage does a great job in explaining that. So if you haven't turned there already, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Um, so this is 1 Timothy, for, for those of you that have context or don't have context, 1 Timothy is a letter from Paul that he writes to Timothy. And um, he's, uh, Timothy and Paul kind of have a mentor-mentee relationship. Paul's kind of like Timothy's mentor. And Paul's in prison, and they're sending him all these letters from these churches that he's established. And they're telling him the condition of those churches. So in this letter, Paul is kind of going to his guy, if you would, um, and being like, hey, 
This is, what's, this, is, this is what you need to look for. This is how you kind of manage the local min, the ministry of the local church. This is what you need to be thinking about. Um, and where we're about to hop in, we're going to hop in in the middle of a conversation, but I'm, I'm going to start from verse 1 just so we get a little context. But he's talking about the false teachers that were there. So read with me. It says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, decision, slander, evil suspicion. Now, pay attention. And constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we, can take, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, I've been tasked to come up here and talk a little bit about desire, love, and money, all things that can kind of get a little testy. But I'm going to test you. <laughs> Let's get started. So here's what I want you to notice first. Paul tells Timothy about the motives of the false teachers. Paul says this. Listen, here's what they're doing. They're trying to use godliness as a means of gain. Right? What does godliness mean? Essentially what he's saying is God-likeness. Like, um, yes, as we pursue God and become more like God, um, I think I have a definition here. So when your beliefs are righteous and your lifestyle is righteous, you produce godliness. Right? So they're saying, he's saying he, they're using their religious profession as a means to gain. Right? And he's saying they, they got it all wrong. So back in the day, teachers sometimes would, be, would go to different houses. They'd be hosted. They'd get food. Sometimes they'd give them donations. He's saying this is why they're doing all of that for. Um, I was reading a commentary, and it says, Paul was always careful not to use his call as a means of making money. He never used his preaching as a cloak of covetousness. What's covetousness? Covetousness is greed. So essentially what he's saying is this. Listen, Paul never tried to use his calling for his gain, right? That's not what Paul did. Paul never tried to do this. Now, let me try to give us an example of what that can kind of look like, um, some form of that in, in our culture today. So I was watching um, this family. Uh, if you want to put up this family, I want to see if y'all know who this is. Y'all know who they are? Will Smith. That's my guy. Uncle Smithy. <laughs> so I was watching something, uh, their Red Table Talk, and... Um, it was very interesting what he was saying. He was just like, yeah, there was one period of time, you can take that down, just so there was one period of time where um, it felt like their family was winning. He was just like, I felt like I basically I could get parent of the year because like we are just killing it from a material standpoint. Jada Pinkett Smith just had a show on Hawthorne. Um, Willow had the song, with my hair back and forth, with my hair back and forth, with my hair back and forth, right? And then Jaden had his whole karate, I mean, I do that, I'm not that flexible. Jaden had his whole karate thing going, karate kid thing going. He's just like, they were winning, they were winning. But he was just like this, I thought this was very interesting. He was just like, but 
it was a period in that time where Jada would woke up. He, start, he kept a diary. Jada woke up for 45 days straight and cried every day. He was just like, we were winning externally, but internally, he was just like, that was probably the worst I've ever felt in my marriage. I thought this was very, very interesting. He was just like, he also built a house. He built this huge house, and he was just killing it. He called it Her Lake. This is like a $45 million house. And in the time he's doing all of this, and he, he turns to Jada, and he's just like, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, I built this house for you. And then she looks at him, and she says, no, you built this house for you. He goes on to say this. It was devastating for me to accept that I built the house for me because in my mind I was saying I was building it for her. What I realized was I was building a picture I grew up in, a household where I watched my father beat my mother up. So I was going to build the complete opposite of that. So what do I want us to get from that? Just like the false teachers were pursuing godliness as a means of gain. They didn't want God just for God. They wanted God for what God could provide for them. Will was using his marriage, not for the sake of marriage, but for the sake of building the picture that he was always trying to complete. Right? So, the first thing we learn here to help us fight discontentment is this. Godliness is a means Godliness may lead to gain, but it's not a means of gain. Godliness may lead to gain, but it's not a means of gain. So I want to ask you this tonight. Are you pursuing godliness for God? Or are you building your own house? Are you pursuing godliness for God? Or are you pursuing godliness for the community that you find when you're around God's people? Are you pursuing godliness for God? Or are you pursuing godliness to become a healthier version of yourself so that way you can start dating? Are you pursuing godliness for God? Or are you pursuing godliness for wisdom that will later elevates you to the platform that you've always wanted. Why are you pursuing God? Let's continue to read. Um, so verse 5, he tells them, hey, the false teachers, uh, they're not content. They're trying to use godliness as a means of material gain. Verse 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So here's the formula. It says godliness plus contentment is great gain. So the gain that Paul is talking about is a spiritual gain. The gain that the false teachers were looking for was a material gain, right? And um, here's something that Paul says, not in this verse, but I thought it was going to be helpful for us to kind of frame our minds. 1 Timothy 4.8, he says, for while bodily training is, is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So essentially what he's saying is this. 
Yes, the, the gain that they're seeking for doesn't really mean anything. Yes, it may help them now, but um, when you, godliness with contentment bring the, bringing great gain, essentially that spiritual gain he's talking about is it's like you can take godliness with you um, when you die. You can't take none of those material things with you when you die. But you can take godliness with you. So here's the second thing I want you to notice as we continue to read. Paul tells Timothy that the desire to be rich leads to more senseless and harmful desires. So he's telling them this. Their desire to get things, their, desire, their, their love for that is, is only going to lead them to discontentment. Um, verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. So those who are resolved to be rich at any cost, right? Those who are resolved to be rich at any cost are falling. So the, the, they use the word fall, but it's actually an active sense. So they're falling into temptation. So they're tempted to do wicked things in order to accomplish their purposes. Um, and what do they fall into? They fall into a snare. What's a snare? Something that, it looks, something that looks like it will be for your welfare. Like, <laughs> I love this because you, you'll hear sometimes when people be like, well, if I won the lottery, um, I wouldn't fall into that. It's a trap. You're not supposed to see it, right? You, you wonder why people can't manage things. It's a, it's a trap. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. It's a trap. Um, and then what does that do? It plunges people into ruin and destruction. So basically the word plunge here is talking like almost like a drowning destruction. We're talking like a shipwreck, right? So that's, what, that's essentially um, what that verse is saying. So this, the second thing um, I think that will help us learn to fight discontentment is this. Those who are eager to have more and more material things in order to be happy and feel successful will eventually drown themselves in their desires. Now, now that we know what that says, I want to take two seconds to address what it doesn't say. It doesn't say desire is something only rich people deal with, right? Desire can be formed from any of us, right? We have this picture, and it doesn't necessarily always start off bad. I think for me, that's why I, I never really wanted to say that I loved money. Because I'm like, yeah, no, I don't love money. I don't got money. What do you mean I don't love money? I don't got it. <laughs> I love something I don't got. And what I realized was, no, it was that desire that I had for it. And it stemmed from a, a good thing. Like, I see my mom working 80 hours a week since I was in sixth grade. I wanted a better picture. But that desire crept in and turned into love, Right? So, um, so desire is not something only rich people deal with. Second, desire and ambitions are bad. That's not what it says. It's not saying that desires are bad. It's not saying that ambitions are bad. Um, I want to give you Psalms 37.4. Again, this is going off, but I just want to kind of give you some proof for that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And then when it comes to ambition, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So what I'm, what I'm not trying to say is we all need to lean towards this thing called contentment where we just don't do anything. Godliness with contentment is an active thing. 
It's a proactive thing. You're no longer pursuing desires. You're pursuing godliness and contentment. You're pursuing righteousness. You're pursuing godliness. You're pursuing those things. And then finally, it does not say that money or material possessions within themselves are bad or evil things. I just, I just want to make that abundantly clear. I just want to make that abundantly clear. There is nothing wrong with the thing. It is merely telling you it, there's, <laughs> there's nothing actually wrong with you wanting and desiring and loving the thing. It's merely telling you what's going to happen. It's saying pick your path. So Paul is saying this, in the ideal us being, it's us being rooted in, I get that chart for me? Us being rooted, in the ideal, we would be rooted in godliness, which would produce a pattern of contentment, which would then lead to great gain. But here is the tension that we've been facing that we've been kind of talking about all series, is we live in the real. And sometimes um, we are rooted in our desires for riches. And um, that leads to a pattern of, of, of unhealthy craving, which then leads to deadly fruit, which brings me to my big idea. I want y'all to really get this because this is something that I've battled and wrestled with for a long time. And it's this. A dissatisfied heart will always lead to a disappointed life. A dissatisfied heart will always lead to a disappointed life. Yes, that was the text. You really have to understand that. The more we seek things, can we go back to that chart real quick? The more we seek things, the, the more we're rooted in our desires for riches. It only produces an unhealthy craving. You're not going to win. You're never going to win on that. So we see this in The Prodigal Son. We see this in, anybody here watch Greatest Showman? Yeah, I was going to do like a, I was trying to do like a Boys in the Hood illustration, but I, I figured it's probably not the right crowd. But um, <laughs> so Greatest Showman, I brushed on it, brushed up on it a few days ago, second time I watched it, put me on. Um, and uh, basically we see, for those of y'all that didn't watch it, P.T. Barnum, essentially, it's a story of someone that had nothing, um, went for everything, got everything, and then lost everything, right? Roughly what it's about. So we see him. He launches the show. Um, he buys the house uh, down the sa- uh, on the same street as the parents. He meets the queen. He tours with Jenny, the, the famous opera singer. And all along the way, the, the wife is just like, when are you going to be happy? When is it enough? Like, when are you ever going to be happy? But listen, guys, I want to tell you this. I have good news. Y'all don't sound like y'all want to hear some good news. I have good news. Trusting in God's provision will lead to a satisfied life. Why do I know that? Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus is enough. Jesus will always be enough. So, for God to love the world that he gave his only son, that whoever may believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So, if you are here today and you um, 
would profess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I would say, great, rest in knowing that as you continue to pursue godliness um, with contentment, you will see great gain. Now, if that's not you, that's completely fine. We're so happy that you're here. But I would say this, um, contentment is probably not what you're looking for. I think your first step is Jesus. Because we believe that true contentment cannot be found apart from Jesus Christ. I really just want you guys to get this. I don't want you spending your whole life thirsting for something that can't be quenched because you're going to the wrong place to find it. So for the remaining time, here's what I want to do. I want to seek to answer our final question of how do we start to take steps towards contentment? How do we start to take those steps towards contentment? Are y'all with me? Okay. (laughs) I see you, Midley. Okay, so our first application point. Understand that contentment is learned, right? Contentment isn't something that we just naturally walk upon. Contentment is something that we must learn. Why do I know this? Well, Paul says in Philippians 4.11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. For I have learned, yeah, that's learned. Yeah, for I have learned to be content in whatever, yeah, for I have, he has learned to be content. (laughs) Contentment is something that you learn. All right, so here's here's the natural course of things. You're going to be stuck in the real for a little bit. You're going to have to go through life. You're going to have to get some things, and you're going to have to lose some things. But through that, hopefully, you will start to come to know and learn contentment. And another thing about that, you have to be, in order to learn something, you have to be in a posture of learning. So if you're not seeking to learn, you will never be content. Application number two. Start giving. Now, I know some of you are probably like, I knew they was talking about money, talking about start giving. I know some of you just like that. It's like, look, 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 look at them. Look, 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 look. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, why do I say start giving? Now, if you are not a Christian in this room, there's no obligation for you to start giving. That's, 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 I'm not talking. This one, let that fly over your head. This one ain't for you. But for me, coming down to Florida, um, I remember about three years ago, just through a series of events, I came down here, um, had some debt, had some credit card debt, a little overextended, you know what I mean? Uh, had some bill collectors calling, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so um, I remember in that season being like, you know what? I wanted to start giving. 
And I found a church, First Orlando, and I started giving as a routine. And here's what I found. It'd be hard sometimes, though. I ain't even gonna run. It was hard. Like, I knew I didn't have enough money if I gave from what I had, but I still felt compelled to give. And I love to sit and tell you in here, I love to sit and tell you that, and the Lord doubled my investment. That's right. Amen. Amen. I'd love to sit here and tell you that that's the story, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Every time it went out, I felt it. I felt it. But you know what happened? I didn't gain back interest, but I gained trust. The more I was giving, the more I learned to trust God. The more I forfeited whatever my desires were. Right? Contentment is about trust. Let's get this, I, I, like, I, I want to drill that point in. Contentment is about trust. So my challenge to you, again, if you're not a Christian, let it fly. But if you are a Christian, I'm not even saying give to this church. I'm not saying give to us. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying none of that. I'm just telling you what happened for me when I started giving. And I think that if contentment is something that we learn, I think a very practical way to start learning how to be content is to start giving. Point number three. Eliminate the phrase, if I could just, then I'll be happy. If I could just this, then I'll be happy. I'm not going to lie to you. I came up with this point because I was doing that. Yesterday, <laughs> I didn't have time to kind of, I was trying to still kind of go through the message and I didn't have time to, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get a full read through yet. And I was just like, man, it's the beginning of the day. And I was just like, well, if I can just by the end of the day, if I can just get through this message, then I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. But then I read this quote that I just thought was crazy. This dude, Naval, I'm going to butcher his name, Robbie Kant, whatever. I don't know. I can't pronounce it. Now, he said, desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. Desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. Now, again, I don't know this guy. I'm not sponsoring this guy, but I I think that quote was onto something. That just resonated with me a lot because every time I, I hit a, well, if I could just, then I'll, I got a lot of contracts out there. I need to free up some, 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 some cap space. You know what I mean, David? Some cap space. Half of y'all don't even watch sports, so y'all. y'all. Um, so yeah, so I, my, my suggestion to you is, is limit Start limiting, finding ways to start limiting those desires. Why? Because a dissatisfied heart leads to a disappointed life. Now, I want to end with this story. 
like I said, I went in my bag and started watching Great Showman, Greatest Showman. I love the soundtrack, by the way. And uh, let's see what you did there. I'm watching, and I think it's amazing how towards the end of the video, he comes back from off tour. And everything comes crashing down. The place that he built was burnt. His wife, she was leaving. They foreclosed on the house. Everything was just not going right. Kind of like the verse says, he was plunged into destruction. Suddenly, just like that. And I, I, the last, one of the last scenes of that movie was just so compelling to me. He's trying to get back with his wife. And he says this, he says, you warned me, but I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen. And he said, I wanted to be more than what I was. I wanted to be more than what I was. And then she goes on to say, you've always been enough. So many of you here want to be more than what you are. I so desperately wanted to be more than what I was. That desire for that picture can be so dangerous. But you don't got to take it from me. Just like the wife kind of said, just like he said to the wife, hey, you warned me. He had to see for himself. So some of y'all, this will apply to, you'll take it, you'll remember it. Some of y'all will have to learn the lesson. That's, that's, it's completely fine. Jesus is still there. Jesus will still be provision. Your life may be a little bit harder. My assumption is, this is what I think. I think your life may be a little bit harder. You may have to suffer some things that you necessarily didn't have to suffer, and you would have been bringing that upon yourself. You warned me, and I wouldn't listen. You warned me, and I wouldn't listen. I wanted to be more than what I was. You were always enough. I wonder if there's some of us in this room that feel like we were just never enough. I wonder if there's some of us in this room that just felt like we were never enough and what God would be saying to us. I, I think God would want to say something different to us. He'd want to say something different. He'd say something like, you're more than enough, always enough. More than enough. He would say that, you're more than enough, always enough, forever enough. 
Sing it for us. More than enough, always enough, forever enough. And more than enough, always enough, more than enough. I wonder if some of you that have been stuck at that place, at that job, at that school, at that class where people just continue to overlook you, overlook you, and you start to feel like you're not enough, and God would say, you're more than enough, always enough, forever enough. We gonna get this, we gonna get this. Say, you're more than enough, always enough, forever enough. Come on, keep on singing, sing along with them. Always enough, more than enough, forever enough. I wonder if some of y'all today came here for the first time and you feel broken beyond repair and you hear my story and you laugh. Like, ha, Josh, that's all you did? I, I have dirt. I have baggage. I come with all of this. But my prayer is that you would know that you are more than, more than enough, always enough, forever enough. You're more than enough, always enough, forever enough. Sing one more time. Sing. More than enough, always enough, forever enough. More than enough, always enough, forever enough. Father God, I come to you today and I pray that we would just always remember that in your eyes, 